This episode of the Opie Radio Podcast, sponsored by HelloFresh. I love these guys. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 10OP and use the promo code 10OP for 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's right. You heard me correctly. 10 free meals. Go there now. America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh.com slash 10 Opie. Promo code 10 Opie for 10 free meals. Do it now. Where do bad folks go when they die? They don't go to heaven where the angels fly. They go to a lake of fire and fry. See you again on the 4th of July. Lake of Fire equals Rush Limbaugh's theme song. There you go, Sarah. I don't know if uh, Rush Limbaugh was a bad person. I have no idea. I have no idea. I know he said a lot of shitty things. And I know that um, a lot of people hated his politics, but a lot of people loved his politics. I have no idea. Uh, But man, did the hate come out strong for Rush Limbaugh. Strong! And I tweeted something. I, I don't understand how people justify their hate and bad behavior because they uh, perceive a person as being hateful. I, I, I'll i never understand that. It's like, this guy's a terrible person. He He's a hater and he hates on everybody and everything. So that gives me a reason to hate on that person. And my, my point is simple. What's the difference? Uh, yeah, Benjamin Tucker. Yes, he was. Uh, claimed smoking doesn't kill you. How ironic. Doesn't mean you should say bad shit about someone dead, Brandon Hollinger. Well, you can say whatever the fuck you want, but um, there are a lot of people out there that justify their own hate because the person they're throwing their hate at is a hater. And I'm, my point was just very, very simple. The two are exactly the same. Don't sit there and think you're on a higher moral ground and that uh, you're not doing pretty much what... You're accusing the person of doing. That's all. Ah, uh, Josh. Wow. Jesus, Josh. Oh, how did you feel around 2017-ish when the subreddit collectively realized you were the good guy and Jim and Anthony were shitheads? Wow. I never went on any uh, Reddit boards. I knew they were really, really, uh, really, really tough and rough on me. I'm not stupid. I knew. Some of that shit did hit my radar, but in general, I never, ever, ever went there. I think I always just wanted um, balance when people think about the the uh, the old Opie and Anthony show. That's all I ever wanted was balance. Not trying to sit here and say I was a great guy and didn't bring my bullshit to the table, but there was a time there that I I took the brunt of uh, a lot of the hate and a lot of people around me skated, and that always really really bothered me, and I didn't think that was fair. So I hope that answers your question. I just wanted I just wanted balance as people look back. Oh, Ope did this. Oh, Jimmy did this and did this. Because there, there was enough blame to go around uh, for sure, man. I'll leave you with this. I, I never wanted to be the boss. And somehow, somehow I went against my own, my own gut. I got into radio because when I, when I was a kid in my, my room with a weird household, it was an escape. I was able to tune in radio shows, and it would definitely take you to another place. And I really loved the medium. I fell in love with it as a as a kid. And I also had a, a dad that was unbelievable that really encouraged me to do something very very different. Um, he said, "Look, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be doing a career or a job for a very very long time. So make sure you enjoy what you do." And I also knew that a suit and tie wasn't for me. I knew. Uh, like basic uh, white collar jobs weren't for me. Although some of those blue collar jobs, they they spoke to me. When you can change the scenery every single day. I know I know it has its downs, obviously, but I would have went blue collar over white collar as far as jobs in general go. 
But uh, long story short, I, I never wanted to be the boss. I never wanted a regular job. I never wanted to sit in a cubicle and just rot away. And I, I'm sorry to the people out there that I just described your life. But I, I, I'm not looking down upon you. I'm just telling my, my story. And then you fast forward. When, when Anthony got uh, came aboard, I was the one with all the radio knowledge. So naturally, it made sense for me to kind of take the lead. And uh, and next thing you know, I seg into being a fucking boss. Exactly what I didn't want to do. All those years growing up, I made sure I was never going to have a real job and never be a boss. And in the end, sadly, and, and I'm not going, woe is me here. I'm just being honest. Sadly, the Open Anthony Show uh, for me became a stupid job that I hated. And I was the boss. Fuck. And I did go to Anthony a few times uh, on that, and uh, he would uh, he would push me off very quickly by saying, like, ah, but you love doing all that stuff. There was a time I did a million years ago when I was learning the business, but that got old quick. I didn't love any of it. I didn't love, like, having to hire people. I didn't love having to fire people. I fired most of the people, you know, whether it was me. Well, I never, yeah, but me and the bosses getting together. And those guys got to skate. So everyone that got fired from the show, guess who they blamed? They didn't blame anybody else. I hated that because I just did not want to be the fucking boss. And I never wanted it to turn into a job. But that's my own fault because I should have just walked because I, uh, I wasn't happy anymore. I should have walked. So I got responsibility in that. But I was addicted to the, uh, the money. I was addicted to the fame. And at that moment in time, I think my ego needed some work. I needed to crush that ego as best I could. So now, you know, here we are. We're staring out a window, live streaming every day, and uh, it's just fun for me. And every once in a while, some people throw me a few bucks, and uh, that's good enough for me. Obi, that day, Anthony called into your show for the first time after you guys split. What was real reaction on and off air, Mike Anthony? Um, I felt really, really weird. I uh, I was really confused because I really don't like Anthony at all. Um, maybe eventually that'll change. I have no idea. But um, And I was thinking about the Opie and Anthony brand. I was starting a new show in Afternoons, and it made sense to take a call from him. And we had incredible chemistry. Like, But then it reminded me of the times like for years where we did have incredible chemistry, but we weren't even looking at each other, and we weren't even talking. I remember really late in the Opie and Anthony show. Um, <laughs> this is just stupid, but um, so I liked it. I'll, I'll tell the other story in a second. I liked it, but I was very, very confused by it because nothing really changed. You know what I mean? There was uh, there was a lot of bad blood there, but uh, that call was uh, pitch perfect. And then we we did a few more calls, and then you know quickly it went back to extreme hate on his side for no real reason as we've discussed i don't feel like uh rehashing that again today maybe another day but um i remember late in the opie and anthony uh show every day we would leave and we had the convenience there were days where um club soda kenny would get our cars and um he would grab he would grab anthony's car first um because then Kenny would drive me home. That's how it kind of worked. And I remember we were sitting on the sidewalk, standing on the sidewalk, and we were both kind of there next to each other. And uh, we had nothing to talk about, literally nothing to talk about. And I remember how uncomfortable it was as we were waiting for our cars, for me a ride home and uh, for him his car. And uh, I swear to you, he might remember this differently, but I remember we literally just started talking about the weather. <laughs> And I remember thinking on the way home that day, like, wow, man, God, this has been a crazy-ass ride. From the days when we first um, got together to do the radio show, where we were inseparable, um, we went to Boston, and not only did we do that afternoon drive show up there at the real, uh, the only station that really rocks, but we would spend hours on the phone every day with each other, too. Hours! Because we both had weird relationships, and we were... We knew the show was working and he'd either call me or I would call him. And then we'd talk about all sorts of crazy shit that was going on in the news or, or we'd watch dumb TV shows that were on during the day. And then uh, 
you know, we'd go into work and we would just crush it. And then we'd hang out at um, the station afterwards for another hour or so doing light production and whatever, whatever the else, whatever else was needed to be done. And then fast forward, we're on the sidewalk in New York City waiting for our cars. And we're just looking at each other awkwardly because <laughs> we both had an understanding, like less time in front of each other, the better. <laughs> And uh, we were pretty much talking about the weather or something very, very uh, similar to that as we were waiting for our cars. But that's, I think that's the nature of the beast. I think I said it yesterday, when you're married or um, in a business relationship or, or what have you, friendships, everyone changes. You just hope you change together in a way where it still makes sense. Are you still traumatized by vacuums coming uh, on the Instagram live? Yes, I am, sir. Uh, we do own a vacuum as I, I, I turn, there's one in the, in this room right now, something with vacuum cleaners. People didn't really believe me, but, um, my mom had a touch of the OCD and she loved her vacuum and we never got any peace and quiet because that vacuum was on all the time and you would be watching TV and a lot of you guys could relate to this and all of a sudden you would hear, and then as it's just grinding picking up all sorts of who know who knows what's and she was constantly vacuuming to the point that as an adult yes when i hear a vacuum my head goes sideways like a dog trying to understand what you're saying and the hair on the back of my neck actually feels like it's going up to this day yes Tell the story about your dad melting Elmo's head on the furnace. Oh, my God. We got some old timers in, in the Instagram. It, it wasn't Elmo. It was my my brother, Quinn, who's uh, who never really wanted the, the limelight when I was really, really uh, famous with the Opie and Anthony show. He, he always uh, stayed in the shadows. But he's missing a, a bit of hair in the back of his head in our house. <laughs> Jesus, it's so weird when you guys remember. Uh, when he was just a baby, we had these uh, these pipes that heated the house that were exposed, and the pipe would go all the way up from um, the counter all the way up to the ceiling in the in the um, the kitchen. And um, my dad's uh, changing his diaper, and my brother's screaming bloody murder, and no one knows why. Um, and then. Uh, they realized that his head was up against the uh, the steam pipe as he was getting his diaper changed. And it seared the hair off the back of his head. He's got coverage. I mean, he's got to get his hair cut really, really short to, to actually see it. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. I got to talk about HelloFresh. Simply put, they are my favorite advertiser right now on the Opie Radio podcast. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 10 Opie and use the code 10 Opie for 10 free meals, including free shipping. We're talking about America's number one meal kit. I got to tell you, they came on board as a sponsor and now I'm simply a customer. I'm on my fifth box from HelloFresh. The fact is I love cooking, but I don't enjoy the prep work. I don't enjoy going up and down the aisles at the supermarket going, where's the cumin? I need cumin for my recipe and I can't find it. With HelloFresh, it's so simple. They give you exactly what you need for that meal. They give you a little uh, recipe card and the whole thing takes 30 to maybe 45 minutes to prepare the whole thing and you have fun doing it. Did I just say prepare? I did, right? <laughs> it's okay. With HelloFresh, you get free pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 10 Opie. It's the number 10, by the way. Use the code 10 Opie for 10 free meals, including free shipping. HelloFresh offers 23 plus recipes each week, featuring a range of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients so you'll never get bored. Oh, and by the way, you can eat healthy and tasty. That's what I really, really like about HelloFresh. But you could go all in as well, or you could go vegetarian. It's up to you. 
Cut down on grocery bills by saving up to 40% instead of shopping at your local store. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients so you're not overbuying, which is a burden on the planet. And your wallet. For real, guys, I really, really love HelloFresh. I'm having a lot of fun cooking up these meals for my uh, family. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 10OP. Use the promo code 10OP for 10 free meals, including free shipping. It's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. You saw Doggy? Hi, Doggy! <laughs> people, people lose their minds when I say that. Hi, Doggy! There were, used to be a hammock up here, and uh, he decided that um, he needed to chew through the, the very heavy nylon, which he did, and then the wind blew the the hammock down to the other deck uh, below me. And now the dog is fighting a ghost, barking at the thing, jumping up and ripping at it as it's like blowing in the wind. He's convinced it's uh, it's alive. You ain't getting uh, you ain't getting out there until we're done with the live stream. You know how the morning schedule goes. We do this now and then you go out there. Oh, he wants that dog bad. I ain't moving my shit so you can see the other dog. Oh, it's two dogs. Forget it. Uh, Bob Lord, how dare you? My dog wants a threesome. He's in love with the dog next door. He doesn't have a wandering eye. He's a little creepy, though, because our deck is up high and we can see right into our neighbor's um, uh, living room. And he'll just sit on the deck and just stare into the window at his, quote, girlfriend. <laughs> We feel so sorry for him. He just he's just staring and creeping and looking in the window at his at his girlfriend. A dog that has no desire to to get any dog dick. A dog that uh is having a tough time walking these days and is very, very close to having a, a mini wheelchair for the back legs. That's the dog that my dog's in love with. Uh, but damn, that sunrise is nice. Last night, I I, um, I was invited to the screening of uh, uh, Jackie the Joke Man's documentary. And I got to see the screening online last night with a whole bunch of uh, people, a whole bunch of people that used to work on the Howard Stern show, a <laughs> whole bunch of people that are very, very bitter, a whole bunch of people that discussed how toxic that environment was. And I'm sitting there going, wow, okay, all right, I think I could relate to some of this stuff. Yes. I loved Jackie on Stern years ago, Pia said. Absolutely, man. Um, although I, I didn't listen to a lot of Howard Stern. That's what used to drive me nuts when Howard used to talk about how everyone rips him off. And uh, and I'm sitting there trying to make my own name for myself in radio. And I'm sitting there going, I wasn't a big fan of Howard's show. Did I hear it from time to time? Absolutely. When I was driving back to Western New York, because I went to school up there and also lived in Rochester and Buffalo, so there were a lot of trips from Long Island to Western New York. Were there some trips where I turned on Howard because I was leaving early in the morning? Yes, but I was not even close to a regular listener whatsoever. But that shit used to drive me nuts when he would just announce to the world that everybody was ripping him off. I don't really like his style, to be honest with you. I mean, the fact is, I'll brag about the Opie and Anthony show. Howard, to this day, has so many fucking people working for him. His staff is massive and huge. And uh, they all work for him and funnel all that material to him. And he presents it very well. He's a very good broadcaster, of course. I think he's just an average interviewer. I think he wants to forget about all the shock jockery of the past. And he wants to be known as an interviewer as he's... Uh, in the later years of his career, but he's just average. He's, he's, you know, they try to say he's a brilliant interviewer. He's just okay. Uh, one name comes to mind. Ron Bennington blows him away as far as interviewing goes. But the Opie and Anthony show, we had a very small staff and the people that were involved with the show were very, very important and they were very, very talented in their own right. But in the end, man, uh, we pretty much won it. We would turn those mics on and just go. Those guys prepared us really, really well. So the days when uh, nothing really was working, there was plenty of material to go to and play off. 
but the difference between Howard Stern and the Opie and Anthony show was the fact that we didn't have a massive staff that we had to count on. Uh, Howard had meetings and all sorts of stuff. Like, and then then it comes then it comes out that Jackie was feeding um, Howard all those funny lines over the years, and Howard got pissed when that finally came out because. So many people thought Howard Stern was like really, really funny. And the fact is, he's not a funny guy. He gets his lines out every once in a while. But Jackie was feeding him one-liners all day long. And uh, Howard would read them. And uh, Jackie proves it in the film, too. Like, he downplays it. I know he wants to mother he wants to mother F Howard badly. But he, he's been taking the high road for a very, very long time. But he has something called Jokeland. It's, um, it's like... Uh, I think it's an old garage that's that's separated from his house, and he built that into Jokeland, which is sort of like a man cave slash office. But um, Jackie's close to being a hoarder. He's collected everything, and he has pretty much every joke he ever wrote for Howard in files. It's unbelievable, and, and, and it's by years. He's like, yeah, this is all the jokes I wrote for Howard in 1986. I'm like, oh, my God. And I saw it for, with my own eyes. It's just uh, binders and binders and binders of one-liners and jokes for, for Howard Stern's show when uh, Jackie worked for him. Jackie would always laugh at his own jokes. Yeah, well, that was the beauty of it, Pia. He would, he would give Howard a joke. Howard would say the joke. So if you're listening in your car, you're assuming that Howard's that quick coming up with these one-liners. And what really tricked you is the fact that Jackie, who actually wrote the joke, is now laughing at Howard like he just came up with that joke. That's the sacrifices that uh, Jackie made for that show. I don't know if Howard has the gift of gab when he doesn't have a, a massive staff around him. So, look, he's the fucking guy successful. And I'm sitting here hoping that I'm going to make more than $3.50. Thank you, whoever did that on the uh, on the Instagram. And Howard's making eighty million a year. So what the fuck do I know? These are just my dumb thoughts. But the documentary was really, really uh, uh, well done. You really get to know Jackie. Uh, the, I think the one thing that came across in the film, um, Jackie's very, very. Um, there's a couple things. Uh, yeah, I want to say these two things. Uh, Jackie is very, very um, uh, generous, and um, he takes care of all his uh, family and friends. On the Howard Stern show over the years, he was portrayed as someone that's very, very cheap with his money. And the people that are in the film, they're like, God, that that just sucked because we all know that Jackie really took care of everybody around him, his friends and his family. He's, uh, he always opened up his house to the staff of the Howard Stern show, always throwing barbecues and parties. And he has a great spot on Long Island on the North Shore in Bayville. And people would come over and just barbecue and hang out all day. And he would... He would flip the bill for that entire thing all the time. And then he's got to, like, listen to Howard basically calling him cheap on the, on the show. Uh, I don't know why, like, Jackie would allow a lot of those things because he should have fought back on that, that crap, you know. And then the other thing he said, which I kind of could relate to, I'll be honest with you, it's well known that I don't get along with a, a bunch of people that are uh, associated with the Opie and Anthony show, the old Opie and Anthony show. And uh, Jackie... Uh, try to get a lot of the uh, the old members of the Howard Stern show on his uh, documentary, um, but a lot of the a lot of the main players all just said no, and they said no by email. And Jackie says it's so weird because he goes, "Yeah, it's true. I don't really get along with um, most of the most of the Howard Stern people." And he goes, "I find that really weird because in my life, this is Jackie talking, but I could absolutely relate." He goes, "In my life, I have a lot of friends and family." I never had a problem with and I always got along with and the only people in my life that I don't get along with or don't have a relationship with are the people from the Howard Stern show. And I, I was watching that last night and I thought to myself, God, I can relate to that because I, I get the bad rap that, you know, uh, I don't get along with anybody. And that's just not true. There's a whole bunch of people from the Opie and Anthony show I don't get along with and I don't really want to get along with any anymore. And it might have been the pressure cooker that was that radio show that, uh, I don't know, got me to the place I am today where I just don't want anything to do with a lot of those guys. But the fact is, I got a ton of friends and family that I never had an issue with my entire life. So when Jackie said that last night in his documentary, I'm like, oh, my 
God, I can relate to that. There are, I got, I got friends that you will never hear about at all. They don't want anything to do with any of this. They don't give a fuck. They kind of ask about this stuff casually in passing. It's, it's not, it's not something that comes up uh, in conversation a lot. So, um, I related to that, man. I really related to that. I think when you, when you do a show like the Opie and Anthony show, uh, it really is a, a pressure cooker. It turns into a very toxic environment. That's that came across in Jackie's film as well, how toxic the environment was. And I can relate to that too. Sometimes I sit back and I wonder if there was anything I could have done to make it less toxic. I, I don't know. I really don't know. I, maybe I need a little more time, but, uh, when the when there's a, a pressure of entertaining a massive audience, and you know you got the good life because they're paying you really really well, um, that comes with a lot of fucking stress. Comes with a lot of days where you're blowing off special moments in your own life uh, because you're more worried about um, a radio show. Probably babbling. I'm sorry. That whole thing definitely got away from me. I'll be honest with you. The whole thing was uh, a crazy ass ride and it absolutely got away from me. In the beginning, it was just me and Anthony. That was it. And then every once in a while, we would have like uh, an intern helping out or like a, a guy we would, you know, we would, we would say, hey, you're, you're our assistant producer. You know, go get the newspapers and get me some coffee. And by the end, we had a, a big staff. Nothing like Howard's though. I got to stress that. It's the amount of people that that work on that show to make Howard so good, I'd be embarrassed if I was Howard because he's supposed to be so great. But he literally, I don't think he could do a show without that giant staff. If you just sat him down with a microphone, I mean, he would get through it, but I think a lot of people would be surprised. But as far as the Opie and Anthony show, by the end, we had so many people working for our show. But like I said, nothing that came close to Howard's. And then, you know, I ended up uh, odd man out which happens and uh, you know, that caused some, uh, some issues that I guess uh, I deal with uh, to this day, but that's okay. Creamy butters. Where are you? I'm at Plymouth waterfront. I got it. I had blood work earlier cause I'm going to the doctor later. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm at beautiful Plymouth waterfront. All right. Why are you uh, getting blood work done? Just regular shit. Just regular shit. Uh, I figure yeah. I'd pop a couple blue chews and then go get the old, you know, finger uh, <laughs> oh, nurse my. practitioner. She's cute. <laughs> Oh, beautiful! Oh, really? You're 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 preparing? Yeah, she has smaller fingers than my doctor, so I requested her and yeah. less penis. Oh, nice! I uh, I got a skin doctor that's kind of hot. I make sure yeah. I I prepare properly because I know she's got to lift my ball bag to check for those that pesky uh, skin cancer. So I make sure I'm all shaved down and nice, and and I I feel all awkward and weird in there. But uh, you know, all of a sudden then she'll she'll like uh, she'll she'll unrobe me. While I'm laying Ooh. on my back, I'm like, "This is, I'm this, I'm, I'll gladly pay this copay." Yeah, that's fifty bucks well spent. <laughs> oh my god, it is. Of course. Are you uh, getting close to getting the vaccination? Yes, uh, Massachusetts. I don't know if it's a federal or or if it's just something that Massachusetts is doing. We're finally at the point where people with two comorbidities um, yeah. can get get it. Uh, so I'm a diabetic and I'm obese, baby. Give me my shot. And explain who you are for the people, because. The live stream's kind of taken off a little bit. We get uh, new people every day now from all over the world. So you're uh, you, you definitely support everything I do. You uh, you're the unofficial leader of the, the the pod squad. You you bring a lot of people together for me, which is nice. And you're uh, you're a failed stand up comedian. Yes, let's make sure that we always remind people that I'm a failure. I'm a failed Boston comic, but more importantly, I'm a failed Rhode Island comic. I don't know what that means, but... I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> we all love Carl, yes. and you and I talk on a regular about how much we like um, pineapple on pizza. Yes. But there is something that Carl hated that I fucking love, and I know he's up in heaven... You know, cooking roasted goat for Marie Antoinette and banging Cleopatra. Yeah. But I'm down here on Earth eating oatmeal cookies. He hated those, but I fucking love them. I love oatmeal cookies. How good is an oatmeal cookie? It's the best. You, you got you to gotta make sure it's gooey, though. 
Gunther, you got it because they're so fucking dry. You don't yes. want to. That's gross, man. And, and There's a place it. down the road. Gunther Tooties makes the best fucking oatmeal cookies. I'm going to grab one of those later. Oh, beautiful. That, that'll help your diet there, Butters. I'm working on a third comorbidity. <laughs> there you go. Uh, John from Virginia likes his uh, pineapple on his pizza. I don't think that's a biggie, man. I I I don't know why people lose their minds over uh, pineapple on the pizza. You get the you get the sweet, you get the salt. It's nice. Um, hey, what's your thoughts on Rush Limbaugh? Everyone's talking about him. The only thing I really liked about Rush Limbaugh is that he had the same birthday as Howard Stern, and that seemed to piss Howard off. Yeah. If if, if Rush Limbaugh is your cup of tea, I, I'm sorry you lost. Uh, uh, somebody that you looked up to. Um, beyond that, I never really listened to Rush. Uh, I mean, a lot of people, are, because he's dead now, a lot of people are bringing out some of the shittiest things that he said. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to judge him on just those shitty things. I don't like political radio. It's not fun. I, I think Howard Stern will have a field day with uh, Rush Limbaugh dying because Howard's the type of guy that loves, loves jumping on everyone's grave when they die and pissing on their grave. He did, he did uh, that to Imus, you know. And supposedly Howard's a meditator and in, into spirituality and goes to counseling two or three times a week. He hasn't learned shit. <laughs> he sits cross-legged so he can smell his own pussy. Fuck Howard. You're not a fan, huh? Um, he's disappointed me too much over the years. In what uh, way? Here's here's the earliest time that Howard disappointed me. You and Ant just got fired. Right. And I thought that it would be a good opportunity for him to talk about, you know, First Amendment shit. And then yeah. he gets on the radio and just makes fun of you guys and shits on you guys and yeah, well, talks about how you guys are going to make it tougher for him to do a radio show. Wow. And then I just got up. Yeah. I don't like the way he treated Jackie. I don't like the way he treated Stutter and John. Um, right. I just saw the Jackie the Joke Man documentary. It's it's, it's definitely a, a, a good piece of film. Uh, it tells the story of Jackie the Joke Man. He's so talented. And one love of the Jackie. Stories, one of the stories. So Jackie made Howard really funny by feeding him lines. And for the longest time, no one knew that those really funny lines coming from Howard's mouth were Jackie's jokes. And then yeah. Jackie would laugh along like, oh, my God, Howard said something funny when Jackie knew, no, I wrote this, handed it to him. He said it on the radio. And then I laughed, making believe he actually came up with that. And then um, Howard knew how valuable Jackie was to the show. And Jackie's like, look, this is fucking America. I want to make more money. And everyone, because they're all scared shitless of Howard over there, they're like, I wouldn't do that if I was you, man. That's crazy. And Jackie's like, why? In America, you should try to make as much money as possible, right? Yeah. So he tried to get a, a decent raise, and not only did they say no, Howard has never talked to him again. And then Jackie felt like, ah, oh, man, I, I think I might have, you know, blew it. So he went back to them to say, all right, I'll accept the original deal, which was a lot lower. And uh, they never got back to him. And then, then, he, then he was basically dead to that whole uh, organization. Um, I, I just saw the screening the other night with a lot of old Howard Stern people. You want to talk about <laughs> the shit talking. I was on Zoom, and there's that button that says record. I was so tempted to record, mm. but I, I, I didn't think it would be right. But they were mother effing Howard like crazy as they're uh, before and after the, the, film, you know, uh, the showing of Jackie's film. Um, but anyway, Jackie uh, reached out to a lot of people that still work for the Howard Stern Show or kind of don't anymore. No one yeah. got back to him. Howard ain't going to be loyal to you. I'm surprised he's been loyal to Fred and Robin all these years. Right. Well, it was said in the film that uh, Howard's strategy, and maybe, <laughs> maybe I should have learned from this. <laughs> Howard's strategy was to keep everyone down. You know, cause, and make yeah. them wonder like uh, that they're worthless and that, uh, you know, uh, if, uh, if if they go bye-bye, there's 10 guys waiting in the wings to take their jobs. And that, that makes everyone work really hard <laughs> and, uh, and, and stay paranoid for the cause, which is to lift only Howard Stern up. That's it. And uh, I was the opposite when I was running the Opie and Anthony show. I was trying to lift everybody up around me. I was giving them shows and opportunities and encouraging them and fighting for raises. And, uh, you know, fast forward, uh, they took me out in a coup. 
I'm stupid. I should have learned from Howard and kept everyone down when I had the opportunity. Well, Howard treats everybody like his dad treated him as a kid. Right. You know, treat people yeah. like shit. And it's the love me daddy syndrome. Can you explain something to me? So you're in Plymouth, Massachusetts, but you're from Rhode Island or is Rhode Island right next to Plymouth, Mass? I don't I need to know the geography of this. Excuse me. I, I mean, I could I could show you Plymouth. I could get out and show you things. I'm the Mayflower's right over there. Plymouth rocks around. I used to urinate on Plymouth rock. I think I mentioned that on the podcast. I, I'm sure you're one of thousands that have done that. Oh yeah. I, I would have to do that. I think you would, if you ever come back to Boston, you will, we'll get you to pee on Plymouth rock. And how many people do you think have had sex on Plymouth rock? Ooh, a little Ooh probably a lot. Ugh. I mean, they don't, they don't guard it at night. Do they? It's a, just no. a stupid rock. No, I mean, every every couple of months, somebody jumps down there and spray paints a swastika on it or something. Oh, I mean, there's no fucking, it's, it, it's not the Tower of London. You know, no. we don't need guards. It's right. a rock. I always think about that uh, as far as like, uh, yeah, landmarks in a city or whatever. Um, Strawberry Fields across from yes. Dakota, 72nd and Central Park West. Uh, that, that's where that Imagine Mosaic is. And I guarantee the same thing. People have peed on it, had sex on top of it. If they're, if you're a Beatles fan, that's what you try to do. And these dummies every day, and I got a few videos of them on my YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> they like to lay down on the Imagine Mosaic and, and take a picture from above. And I'm like, you have, you know how much urine you're laying on right now? Goddamn right, man. Yeah. Like the Jim Morrison grave in France. Like, you know, you know people just go there and fuck. Like... They just put candles on other people's graves and fuck. And just there's probably so much nasty goo all around that place. That's where the zombie apocalypse is going to come from. I think that's a prestigious graveyard, too. They never wanted Morrison's body there. I think over the years they've tried to like figure out how to get him out of there. Move yes, if you talk to Billy DeTore, I think you'll find out that um, that was actually leased. His grave was actually leased and they were looking forward to kick him out. But somehow they, they re-upped the lease. How how creepy is uh, uh, your your gravesite being leased? You gotta hope that a generation or two after you does the right thing and, and pays that bill Jesus. or pays for you to be moved somewhere else. Yes. The name who gave stars is oh my god, Zib Zib Zibzik I think. Oh my god, I'm a, Jen, are you crazy? It's too early to attempt a foreign name like that. First name. Hold on. Can I go backwards? I got to go backwards. Uh, all right. Uh, his first name, I, I got to spell it. Z-B-Y-S-Z-E-K. You wanted me to read that? Jeez or Louise. I'm having a stroke. Maybe it's just Bob Smith and I'm having a stroke. And then his last name, L-E-S. So that's Les. Z-C-Z-Y-N. S-K-I. He's got to play in the NHL. That guy has to be in the NHL. He has to be Polish, right? Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Remember Polish jokes? Whatever. That was like, like you could do Polish jokes and Portuguese jokes in, in when I was a little kid, like pre-cancel culture. I remember like I had a social studies teacher. Uh, some, some kid had a dumb answer and he goes like, nice job, Portuguese. It's like, what the fuck? We're old enough to remember stuff. So this whole cancel culture is, I think it's a joke for older people because we remember you could go in a bookstore and you could uh, just buy joke books for every nationality possible. Yes. They even had one for uh, African-Americans. It, it was, it was basically tasteless jokes about African-Americans. It was in the libraries and bookstores. Like it was nothing. It wasn't hidden. Yeah. It was in a joke book section. And then they turned them into just tasteless joke books, which I collected when I was growing up. They were hilarious. Yep. They were great. I thought twice about it. The people, the different nationalities and stuff that were being made fun of, they didn't really think anything of it either. And then you fast forward a couple decades. Could you imagine if those books were out there today? Well, well, those books don't exist anymore because everything's digital. We can't even have a book burning anymore because we don't have any fucking books anymore. <laughs> there's a, a bookstore coming to this little town I live in, and, and, there, and there's a big sign, Books Are Back. <laughs> it just says, Books Are Back. Books Are Back, baby. 
Can you That's imagine so- if someone jumped in a time machine from, I don't know, 1995 and, and was walking around this town and, see, and sees a sign? That would be back to the future shit. Uh, books are back. That person would be like, what? Wait, books actually went away? This is Books went somewhere? Uh, but I think the Polish jokes did its job because <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm like a quarter Polish. And I hid that fact because of my <laughs> Polish jokes. So ah, they absolutely did their job. I don't know if I ever told this story, but when I uh, graduated college, my um, my mom's sister was hardcore Polish, went to Poland every year. And she dressed like she was from the turn of the century. She dressed she – had, she had hats with, like, bird feathers and stuff. She was <laughs> – she lived like she was from the early 1900s at the time. And it was so embarrassing. She was such a cool lady, but it was so embarrassing when she came around. Like, oh, my God, why are you dressed like this? It was crazy. But anyway, uh, I graduated college, and she goes, I want to take you to Poland. And I'm like, fuck, that's a great, that's a great gift for a college graduate. I'll go to fuck Poland yeah. for a couple weeks. And then we talked further and further. She was planning the trip and getting it together. And then I found out. And this is the reason why I didn't go. She wanted to take me to this little village in Poland to find a wife. What? She wanted me to marry a, a Polish woman, and she wanted me to find it in Poland. That's bring her crazy. And bring her back to the States. And my mom, I only I, a lot of times I only talk about the bad stuff, but there's a lot of cool things about my mom. And she was like, no, 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 we ain't doing this. We're not doing this. We put the kibosh on it. Like my 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 son, when he's ready, he'll find a wife in America. Damn right. And uh, uh, I'm trying to. Well, uh, I guess I could say that her her son ended up doing just that. Went to Poland to get a wife. Brought her back to America, and they had a a pretty big farm that made money and it was real estate and property and this nice. this uh this person i guess he's my cousin i think i met him once my entire life uh my mom's side of the family i don't know much about him at all so he brings her to america and she set up nice in america with this farm and they have a couple kids and blah 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 they're set for life this woman took him for everything. She yes. got Americanized and, and went all in and ruined the guy. <laughs> ruined him. Nice. So I mean, this- terrible because that's terrible to happen. But no, also, it's kind of like an awesome story, too. It's like the Polish dream. Yeah, of course. So, you know, she comes here barely knowing English, and she's just, like, so grateful to be in America. And you fast forward a couple of decades, and – and man, she just got Americanized and uh, understood that uh, there was a lot of money to be made. Dude, that's awesome. You know, even the poorest among us are millionaires in Thailand. So right, I really dig the fucking Facebook group. Great bunch of people. And I'm yeah. hoping that the YouTube starts to grow again. So, And uh, thanks for pushing the Facebook group. There's oh, a couple always, now. Always. We got the basic one and then we got the private one. So, What's the private one? It's private. I ain't telling you. I, yeah, like not even the mayor of the pod squad doesn't I, get to know about the private. I don't one. know if we want you in there. We gotta. That's we gotta, fine. We gotta have a secret vote. I mean, we'll we'll get on Zoom together and we'll all uh, be in the dark with candles and we'll have a little ceremony <laughs> and then we'll decide if uh, you should you should be part of it or not. Well, just as a warning, if I am allowed into this private group, I'm probably going to marry one of the people and then sue them and take all of their farmland. <laughs> probably. You might have to get paddled, though. We, we have some initiation, so you might have to get paddled. Might? Ooh. <laughs> Dude, I, I pledged a fraternity. Oh, God. <laughs> like, this is not. Oh, I just wanted <sighs> I just wanted to drink a few beers around a keg with pups <laughs> and hang out with sorority girls. Why am I naked, bent over, being paddled by a guy that's taking Kevin out Bacon his, from Animal House? That's taking out some of his sexual tensions on me. I just want a beer. You know, somebody's daddy uh, hit one of those pledges a little bit too much, and then they turned around and took it out on you. Oh God! To this day, I I get scared to talk about my pledging. I understand how they get people ready for war, and I'm not comparing the two. Trust me. But when you pledge a fraternity back in the day, especially before they really shut everything down, I mean, my pledging was really scary. That to this day, I worry 
if I give out uh, too many of the secrets that I'm going to get a knock on the door from one of these old fraternity <laughs> guys wearing wearing colors, you know, a bald guy with uh, just a gray beard going, we told you back in not to ever say anything. <laughs> but they got a lot of this stuff from how they, uh, you know, do things in basic training. They used yeah, to all get, the gay stuff. Well, yeah, the, <laughs> the paddling was a little weird. I'm not going to lie to you. The dropping of the uh, the marshmallow on the uh, on the DK house that was a little weird. I'm not gonna lie to you. We had to pick yeah. up the fellow with your butt cheeks and waddle over to the to the imaginary DK house and and drop marshmallow bombs on their house. I'm like, what does this have to do with trying to get laid? The scariest one was when they took our well, we didn't have cell phones back then, but they took our wallets and money and um, they. Uh, That's always scary, yeah. Well, what, what they did was we went to the fraternity house in the middle of pledging, and you dreaded it, Sunday nights especially. You're like, oh, God, Sunday nights suck to begin with. And then you had to go, uh, you know, it was in the winter, and you go all the way up to the house, and you're like, oh, God, I'm just going to get yelled at for the next two or three hours. And, you know, you got, <laughs> you got school the next day, and we, we show up all confused because there's a party going on. Music is cranking, and they're – Handing you beers today, you don't have to worry about anything. Drink yeah. up in there, and they they got uh, they got bongs and uh, they just just joints all over the place, and they're they're just getting us so effed up. And then the turn happens; someone just stops the music on a dime, and then they tackle all of us. We're really <sighs> pretty effed up at this point. They kind of. Uh, they don't tie us up, but trust me, you you can't really move. And they throw us in in cars, blindfolded, and depending how much they liked you, they dropped you off in the middle of nowhere, and then it was your job to try to figure out how to get back to town. Now, I went to Geneseo. Uh, when you get outside the college, it's all just farm fields for, yeah. for days. And you got to, like, when you're, when you're uh, in the middle of a – a, a field and it's like 10 degrees it was freezing and uh and icy and cold and then you look over the horizon trying to figure out what little bit of lights you could see in the distance if that's geneseo or not that definitely i feel is like navy seal shit like that definitely you know was, seal teams do that it was scary and then i was the asshole like they i i remember walking in this field like okay i know we're in the middle of a, a field somewhere and uh all of a sudden, they're like, all right, count to 100. Yes. Count to 100. Do not remove your blindfolds until you get to 100. You know? And that gives them time to leave, and then you can't really see what direction the car's going in. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. But then, again, some of these guys would go in a direction knowing it was the wrong way. You know, all that. They were trying everything. So I'm up to 10, and I'm like, dude, it's too cold out. No, they're not here. This is ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm like, let's just take our blindfolds off. Maybe we can see, you know, the car leaving and, and get the direction at least. I take that blindfold off. Oh, my God. <laughs> These scary monsters that then all of a sudden have a pledge and we're best friends. I, I, I never understood that part either. Are in my face screaming. At this point, I, I think I might die. Put the blindfold back on. And then they shoved us back in the car. And uh, took us even further away from campus. And I'm getting elbowed by my my fellow pledges in the back seat. Like, where to go, asshole? Your co-hostages. Yeah. And then the, the bit basically was uh, we all hung out at the in-between. I want to go local for my Western New Yorkers. And that's now a dorm, which is so sad because it's a yeah. legendary place in Geneseo. And uh, the fraternity would hang out in the bar. And as you made it back to town, you would run into the in-between and be a huge celebration that you made it before last call. And then there was more drinking and partying, and now you were part of it. Yeah. Or at least for that night. But, man, there was always a pledge master that had to stay up all night because they took a guy or two way too far. And the, the pledge master was really worried, uh, staying up all night, hoping that this guy was going to make it back. That's fucking hilarious. Well, Butters, thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me, Ope. I would do more, but uh, I got to get the kids up, you know. You uh, know don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, man. On, on the side, I want to buy my autographed uh, photo. <laughs> you should buy that. Oh, I signed that. <laughs> you signed that to me. I, I haven't bought it yet. Yeah. Oh, God. That's so embarrassing. I, I never even <laughs> thought of it that way. So, I uh, yeah, there's some – I signed some pictures, you know, personally 
personalized uh, uh, pictures, whatever. And we needed an example. So I went to my guy, Jake. I go, I'll, I'm just going to sign one to Creamy Butters, which obviously yeah. is you. So on yeah. the site, it says, thanks, Creamy Butters. I never thought that we should maybe at least send that to you. All you need is the picture <laughs> of it. All right, I'll have him do that. Butters, thanks, buddy. Thanks for all you do for real, all right? You got it, my man. I, I, I love uh, love the podcast. Please keep doing it. Please don't ever not do it. No, I have I have too much fun doing it. So, I, I you know, like I always say, I don't make as much money. I am I don't have as many people following me. But, man, do I have a lot of fun doing it. So, yeah. Dude, what's up with that van? What do you think's going on in that van to your right? It's some kind of rehabilitation place. I would say anyone over 40, let's go at 40, is kind of scared of vans. Goddamn right. We know. It was it was it was uh drilled into our our brains that there were a lot of evil people out there picking up kids in vans. Not just a little, a lot. Like it was an yeah. epidemic. Like I'm surprised there are any kids left. From the from the sixties and seventies, because there was so much kidnapping and, and terrible things happening. Right, Rachel, I love Rachel from Minnesota. She's the she best. Goes, she goes grinder meet up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, vans to this day. When I see one, I get a little. Uh, but then before us, vans were incredibly cool. The, hip, the hippies were all about their vans with the with the uh, the moon the Viking. Well, on the side of the van, it was like a wolf howling at a moon, you know, all yeah. that cool shit on the side of the vans. And those people knew that vans were cool, but people my age looked at vans like, holy shit, I'm going to get abducted. My my friend Glenn had a van with a with a pull-out couch in the back, you know, with a pull-out bed. Yeah. Um, you couldn't pull it out because the, it was a fucking van, but it was the only couch that he had. And he wanted to have a couch in his creeper van. Well, I don't see anything wrong with that. I bet you he loved Molly Hatchet. Yeah, 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 he did. He <laughs> definitely did. What's the um what's the Irish one? Uh Thin Lizzy. I oh, love the Thin Lizzy. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about Thin Lizzy. All right. Thin Lizzy's great. Oh yeah, we are. All right, later up. Bye, Pod right. Squad. There he goes, creamy butters. Thank you, buddy. And uh thanks to everybody for checking out the live stream. Um where do bad folks go when they die? They don't go to heaven where the angels fly. They go to a lake of fire and fry. See you again on the 4th of July. Boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo. <laughs> 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 <laughs>